And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 163, as we are on the brink of summer vacation for the Islanders, and it would be an unwanted summer vacation this early into their playoff run. They lose 5-2 to the Hurricanes at UBS Arena in Game 4 on Sunday afternoon, and we will discuss what went wrong and what has to go right in Tuesday night's Game 5 in Carolina in order to the series to return to UBS Arena for a Game 6 on Friday. Hi, I am Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday, and I am joined, as I am during the playoffs, by our good friend Neil Best. He's at Sportswatch. Neil, we both wrote about undisciplined play. We both wrote about penalties, right? What did you make of this game? Was this more of that, or is this an Islanders team that maybe just isn't good enough to beat this Hurricanes team? Wow. Well, yeah, it's all of the above. I mean, as you said, we both, for good reason, I thought we both wrote those themes, because those were the themes. They that The Islanders were both unlucky and undeserving, I thought. You know, they got a couple of bad breaks from uh, what I thought were bad calls, but they did not overcome them, <laughs> to say the least. So, yeah, I mean, going into this game, my thought was, wow, these are two evenly matched teams that played three pretty even games, and, you know, it's just kind of, let's see what happens and go from there. But now, uh, aside from the obvious being down 3-1, the math, aside from the obvious math problem, I do think there's a hockey problem. Yeah, I do. Uh, I did, well, certainly today the Islanders did not look like the, the better team or a team capable of winning three in a row. Uh, which which is weird because the Hurricanes are in much worse physical condition at this point than the Islanders are. Yeah, no, I've I've had this feeling, and and it's been growing as I've watched this series that we're really watching two teams. One team's going to lose in the first round, the other team's going to lose in the second round, right? And you right. can take your pick of which one's going to advance. Well, and you know, I have been doing both of the <laughs> local hockey series, and yeah, I mean, since I've been doing all these Rangers Devil series, I think that's true. I have, a, yeah, I have a hard time picturing either one of these teams beating the Rangers or the Devils again, particularly because Carolina's got health problems. Um, and, and yeah, the the. Am I allowed to talk big picture already? Or let's still, let's talk uh, big no, picture. No, the, the only reason, no, no, please. No, no, the only reason I, that triggered my thought of this was you saying, you know, just this vibe, this feeling you get watching this. And today, I I had a bigger feeling than this series. I had a feeling that wow, you know, it just feels like this era of this Islanders era is, is sort of grinding to a halt here. Which is, you know, I know there'll be plenty of time to talk and write about that in the future. But that is another feeling I came away with from this game, particularly because it might be the last home game of the season, it's like, wow, is this the end for this this window for this group? Well, especially because, as you mentioned, the Hurricanes are, are really beat up. They lose Turbo Teravainen in this series to a broken hand. They've already been without Andrei Svechnikov for a period and an even longer period without Max Pacioretty. You're talking about three top six forwards. And for this game, uh, he, he only logged a minute and 20, um, Jack Drury. Uh, just gets absolutely flattened into the boards uh, by Ryan Pulak, who maybe, you know, it, it was reviewed. Maybe he's lucky it wasn't a five-minute boarding. I'm not sure. You know, I, the refs took a really good long look at that. Anyway, Jack Drury is out for the rest of the game, and, and the Hurricanes, you know, Rod Brendamore was, you know, he expresses himself very well 
Um, and after the game, he kind of threw up his hands and he said, yeah, we, we didn't really have many options. They throw Mackenzie McEachern basically on the line with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis. And McEachern, who was playing for Chicago in the AHL and described this insane travel itinerary he had just to make it to this game, comes in and he, he gets a goal, he had an assist, he was all over the ice, he was very noticeable. Seth Jarvis had a couple of goals. Uh, I'm looking at McEachern, he had a goal and an assist in 1403, and it, it just seems like this was a series that was sort of laid out on a plate for the Islanders. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the Hurricanes goalie, Antti Ranta, who is pretty much universally beloved around the NHL as, as just one of the league's good guys. But the knock on him always has been his durability and an inability to play, to, to put good start after good start after good start. Well, he's he started all four games in this series. He wasn't necessarily, he was tested at the beginning of the game and then the game went a different way. But it, it just seems like the Islanders, Everything should have gone the Islanders' way, and nothing seems to be going the Islanders' way. Yeah, and the, and what you're talking about about you know yeah random you know AHL guy coming up and, and and making a contribution, yeah that's the kinds of things that happen to teams that get on you know playoff runs and have something positive going on for them, and for the Islanders to be the on the other side of that kind of drama is a bad sign because you know they're I guess they're you know they're. Certainly healthier than Carolina, and uh, yeah, and then again, it's the ba- it was the bad breaks. I thought two bad calls that hurt them and potentially cost or well, cost them gave the other team one five on three, cost the Islanders a five on three, but then the complete inability to 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 get past that. Um, yeah, that's that's the other thing going on here is that and that the the, the the what happened today is another example of it. The intangibles thing seems to be going Carolina's way, and. Um, you know, maybe the hockey gods will change their minds for Game Five. I don't know, but right now it's <clears throat> you know the hockey gods are not on the Islanders' side. No, it's, we can just go over some of those calls. You're you're referencing, of course, the uh, goalie interference call right. on Zach Parisi. That was at two minutes forty one seconds of the first period, and everything had been going the Islanders' way off the opening faceoff. And it, look, it, it looked to me, it looked to you. It looked to Lane Lambert. It looked to Zach Parisi. Certainly, like Jalen Chatfield pushed Zach Parisi into into Anti Ranta. That's not the way it was called. It was called the goalie interference. That becomes a five on three because of the aforementioned uh, hit on uh, on Jack Drury by Ryan Pulak. They get the the quick five on three goal. But I, I thought and, and the other the other questionable call. The Islanders did not get a five-on-three because Brent Burns cross-checks uh, Matthew Barzell, but Matthew Barzell is called for the embellishment there. And I, I really thought he, he he was he was lucky maybe not to get a, uh, a an additional penalty as he as he seemed to be going after <laughs> yeah, the the officiating I, crew. I thought we were going to have a lot bigger story on our hands if Barzell physically attacked it. Now obviously he didn't, but when he was skating toward them, I was like, oh wow, this is going to be really interesting. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, obviously he was just you know upset, which I thought he had a right to be. But yeah. you know, but even you know, back to the discipline thing though, uh, you know, whatever you think about Pollock's. Uh, penalty, which I thought I thought it should have been a penalty, but 
you know, you, you have you, – you're already in a tough spot, and now you've made – you put your team in an impossible spot because mm. the bad call against Parise still made it only a, a, a normal power play. So um, that's why I think it was – yeah, it was the, from, from, from the start, it was this combined forces of unfortunate officiating and uh, just the Islanders making it worse. Lane Lambert is – well, first of all, he never really opens up during his press availability anyway, but – he was pretty adamant about what he thought he saw and, and questioning those calls. So here, here's, here's a clip of Lane Lambert discussing what he thought he saw. The 5-on-3 that they got, you know, the Parise penalty, certainly. I thought he got pushed in. Jack Field pushed him into the goaltender. So, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. And, and then, you know, next thing you know, we're down 5-on-3. Momentum shifted a little bit. I thought we got it back, and then, uh, you know, then the penalty at the end of the first period hurt us. We made a mistake on the penalty kill. So, uh, you know, when it when it was, uh, when we had a power play where the same type of thing happened to Barzell with Burns, but you know, I, he, he got embellishment. I don't understand that, but uh, I thought penalties hurt us. And I'm assuming. You agreed with Lane Lambert's well, take on that. Well, I agreed with Lane Lambert on t- twofold. First of all, I was appreciated that he actually answered, you know, questions pretty honestly, which, you know, more so than normal. Um, not that he lies. He just doesn't say a lot. Um, but he, he hit both sides. I mean, just, just like both of us did in our stories. He, he said he thought they were bad calls, and he did not let his team off the hook for, the way, for their contribution to this law. So in that sense, I thought he handled it well. It was like, yeah, bad calls. Bad playing by us. Well, and, and the bad playing. I mean, while we're on the the subject of the officiating, I mean, not but or, or penalties. The game, the game was still there for the Islanders, except there's a scrum in front of the bench, the Islanders bench at the end of the first period. Seems to be winding down. I know it was still, you know, guys are wrestling and jockeying. But it sure looked like the refs were just going to separate them, send everyone back to the lock, to the to the dressing rooms, and that was going to be the end of it. But Matt Martin, uh, very undisciplined, just came barreling in, knocks down Mackenzie McEachern, and he's the only guy in that scrum to get called for a penalty. He gets a roughing penalty at 20 minutes of the first period, and, and sure enough, they, they the Hurricanes come out. And uh, Martin Nikas, who has become public enemy number one amongst Islander fans after he got knocked into the Islanders bench at the end of uh, game three and wound up just striking and punching uh, Brock Nelson in his face shield. But anyway, Nikas makes it uh, 2 nothing at one fifteen of the second period. And, and Lane Lambert really looked at that i think what do you call it a stinger or whatever he called it yeah no uh, you know look i like matt martin as a person and as a player and obviously fans do too but that was a he that was a deserved penalty it was a very silly penalty obviously and it cost them so that's yeah that's where yeah i mean as tough as the momentum shift was for the five on three goal that that one th- that was the goal after which this building got dead silent i mean you know after what happened friday uh, with the great finish, 
and you know, remember that it's a different dynamic because there's very few Hurricanes fans in the building. Yeah. Normally, you at least hear the distant cheers of the visiting team's fans. You know, you right. hear some noise. Right. When that goal was scored, that second goal, it was stone silent. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I thought it became even more silent during the second intermission. Obviously, <laughs> nothing's going yeah. on. But I, I can't recall hearing a building that quiet. And yeah. someone reached out to me on Twitter and said, Andrew, you can't really be blaming the fans. And, and, I, and, and I, I had to reply, no, 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 no. I, I'm just reporting what it sounds like in this building. I don't blame the fans. And, I, I wouldn't have blamed the fans for leaving after the second and, period. And, well, yeah, and in defense of the fans, the, the second that Pellet got that goal to make it 4-1, and the game is still, you know, yeah. kind of over, yeah. they got right back into it. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In this case, the fan, there was a little bit of booing when they left the ice at the end of the second period, but you know, silence was better than booing, I guess, because they, you know, the fans would have had a right to do that as well. So uh, the, the whole vibe, the, the whole vibe, particularly when you compare it to Friday night, was just a, a mess from from the, whatever that was, two forty one in yeah. the game. Everything was wrong after the first two and a half minutes. Yeah, and and the the Hurricanes after uh, that power play goal makes it two nothing. They 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 just kind of piled on slowly but surely. They they never the Islanders would get their shots, but and and Bo Horvat made this point afterwards. And we do need to spend a couple of minutes talking about Bo Horvat, but Bo Horvat was talking about how much stuff came from the perimeter, and I I, I thought they never really made it too tough on Antti Ranta. And like I said, this is a goalie who is not used to playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. The longest he played during the regular season was uh, five consecutive starts. And if he plays game five, obviously, in Tuesday night, that'll match it. But the difference being, in the regular season, those five games, the three-day NHL holiday break was right in the middle of that. So it was really, you know, a two and a three. Uh, more so than five straight starts. So, uh, again, it goes back to the Islanders have this seemingly lined up for them. They have a goalie who, by all rights, should start to allow some goals just because he's not used. He he doesn't have the uh, reputation for the durability here, and and the Islanders are not testing him enough. Uh, uh, Sebastian Ajo makes it 3-0 at 1330 and then Jarvis, with his second goal, gets away on a breakaway, and, and it's 4 nothing at one twenty of the third period. And I know the Islanders scored two goals from there, but really at 4 nothing, you're, you're, you're turning out the lights. And, and, and the breakaway goal, how different might it have been, you know, because Pellick scored just two minutes later. Right, and well, if, if, if a 3-1 game is a lot different from 4-1. I still don't think it, the Islanders are winning, but... Yeah, well, the... Well, first of all, the third goal was on a giveaway. By yeah. Off, I guess. Uh, Alexander Roman, right. he flubbed an yeah, entry. Right. Okay. Yeah, so there's a giveaway on the third goal, breakaway on the fourth goal. At one point, Sorokin, I'm like, I, after that fourth goal, I was like, Sorokin should just like leave the ice in protest because he was getting no help whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was. they did everything possible to not win this game, and it showed on, you know, and, you know, as we know, in hockey, it doesn't always, you know, you don't always get rewarded for good play or penalized for for poor play, but today they did. Yeah, they got penalized yeah. in three different ways, right, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah. You know. It's a shame because, you know, and look, momentum 
for whatever reason, and I've asked a uh, hundred different coaches, and we've all asked a uh, hundred different coaches about momentum and carrying something from game three into game four, and every coach says, no, no, you, you don't carry over. It's everything is a clean slate. And, I, you know, given the way the Islanders finished game three, you would have thought if momentum ever mattered, it would have been for game four. And it seemed like it did for the, that opening 241, but the Islanders couldn't sustain it. They weren't smart enough. They weren't disciplined enough. And, and now you have to wonder whether there's going to be another playoff game at UBS Arena. And as we discussed on a previous podcast episode, if there's not another playoff game this season, when might there right. be one? Right, no, exactly. Well, the only thing I would say is the flip side of the momentum skepticism discussion <laughs> is, well, you know, okay, fine. So they're, they're a veteran team playing a wounded opponent. You know, it, it is far from beyond the realm of possibility that they could get this their act together, win certainly Game Five, and you know. Oh, absolutely! Right, absolutely. because the, the the Hurricanes are legitimately banged up, and the Islanders have been through the wars before. So I am not. I really don't think that that I, I do think there's a chance they could turn this around. Obviously, I would not bet the house on it, but it's. I, I think it's not crazy. Not crazy, no. And again, you know, it's it's going to come down to the goaltending. You know, Ilya Sorokin, you know, should be the better goalie. But he's 1-3 in, in this series. Again, not with a lot of defensive support at time. And Antti Ranta is 3-1. And, and it's going to come down to special teams because the Islanders' power play just it, it gets progressively worse. And the Hurricanes, after not having, you know, they go 0-3 in the Game 3 loss, uh, all essentially coming early in the second period. And that really... Those penalty kills really turn the tide in that game. Um, the Hurricanes go two for five. They get, you know, the two power play goals that we talked about. And, and that's the difference. And the Islanders just, you know, it, it, it's simplistic to say they have to find a way to get a power play goal. I, I, I don't know how they do it with the power play looking like it is. Well, I thought, I thought it was very interesting. Lane's, Lane's postgame was much more interesting than normal today, <laughs> actually. But I thought it was interesting his answer to the question of why he's not changing up the personnel on the power play. He said, no, these are the guys who should be out there, which is an interesting answer, I, which I took to mean, well, these are the guys who should be good enough to be out there and be effective, and therefore I'm... I, I'm going to sort of keep trying to see if that happens. Like yeah. I, it was an interesting answer. It's like there's a pro, you know there's a problem, but I'm not changing personnel because those are the guys who who should be out there. Well, yeah, yeah I don't I don't know what that means. I, right. I don't, well, I mean the the, I, the first power play unit being Noah Dobson and Matthew Barzell and Anders Lee and Bo Horvat and uh, who am I? Who am, I, who, am I, who am I missing? I don't know. It's all uh, Bo Horvat. I'm uh, having enough trouble keeping the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders <laughs> straight in my head. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I said I, Anders I found Lee. Myself, I, I'm sorry. I found myself at the Rangers. Oh, Brock Nelson. I'm sorry. I found, Brock Nelson. I remember him. Yeah. I, found, I mean, I'm so mixed I found myself watching the Rangers game on uh, whatever day that was, Saturday night, and thinking, you know, why is Bo Horvat out there? I said, oh, okay, that's Mott. Okay. You know, I'm like trying to keep these numbers of these teams straight. I'm sorry. Let's talk about Horvat. Let us talk about <laughs> Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat, you, you and I were both in his scrum after the game, 
And look, he gets a shorthanded goal. It's his first point of the series. It comes at 17.57 of the third period. It makes it 5-2. It doesn't make a difference one way or another in this game. And combined, Bo Horvat, Matthew Barzell, and Anders Lee in this series have three goals, no assists, and have made very little impact so far. And Bo Horvat was very honest with his response of, I, I have to be better. You know, I have to score goals in meaningful. And he talked about, you know, I'm doing the other things good. I'm good away from the puck. I'm good on faceoffs. Well, you, you didn't trade a first rounder and Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier. And you didn't sign this guy for eight years at four bazillion dollars. Or maybe it was less. I'm not sure. But yeah. you, you, you didn't commit to this guy for eight seasons for him to be good on faceoffs and away and good away from the puck. Yeah, well, no, like you said, he but he was honest about that. You know, I mean, it's fine for him to acknowledge he's trying to do the other stuff, but he acknowledged that's not enough, uh, and he acknowledged the shorthanded goal doesn't change anything. So again, a lot of honesty in the Islanders' room. But yeah, he was also honest in, in describing this the defense of the stall line and the problems they're having with them. One one line he had I found interesting. He said they're not interested in the puck. Like they, basically, he said, yeah, when when we're out there, that stall line is not paying attention to their own offense. They're focusing on them. Obviously, doing a good job of it. Um, so yeah, when you're not getting anything from Bo Horvat and Barzell and Lee, that's a huge problem. And uh, yeah, I mean I. Obviously, Horvat doing something would be key to them coming back from this deficit. But because he's here for a long time, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a sort of a larger picture in fans wanting this guy to be something special, uh, as opposed to a you know a playoff rental kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, you know, we t- you mentioned at the beginning starting to look at the bigger picture. Well, the, I mean, the bigger picture is. The Islanders are committed to Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell for eight seasons, starting next I, season. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. and and if it doesn't click, and again, you know, we're just talking about four games in the playoffs. Matthew Barzell coming back from a 23-game injury absence, and you you at least have to acknowledge the fact that it, it in a norm, if this was the regular season, it might take Barzy, you know, seven, eight, nine games to get back to what he was before getting yeah. hurt, and he just doesn't have the luxury of time right now. But but Bo Horvat hasn't been injured, and the the, the Islanders are just desperate, desperate for for both five on five and on the power play for him to make it work somehow. Yeah, and again, that that's obviously something that would need to happen in these next one to three games to make a difference. But but I do. You know, in terms of the bigger picture, I, I personally don't worry about Barzell and Horvat being important, uh, uh, being good players for the next several years. You know, it's more what's around them and the older yeah. players that are, that are you know, yeah. a, a concern. Uh, but, in, but in the very short term, yeah, obviously, Bo Horvat, and again, he was honest about it, his contributions are not enough given this situation. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll have a, at least one more opportunity to change that. <laughs> Well, uh, let me just end it this way. Are we sitting here on Friday night in this building? Wow. Um, if I knew the answer to that, I would not be doing my current job. I would be in uh, um, I am going to say yes, because I do have faith in, the, in this group's pride and, and, you know, and experience. 
and the fact that Carolina, at some point, these injuries you would think will catch up to Carolina and maybe, uh, you know, to their goaltender. Um, so I, if if I if I'm forced to answer, I am going to say yes. We'll be, we will be back here at a much later hour after <laughs> Game Six, doing another one of these things. <laughs> you know, and, and I got to be honest, I cu- I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, for for everything negative, we've just spent 20 minutes saying about the Islanders. I'm looking at them, and I think they should be the better team. And I know the Hurricanes have a ridiculously good home record. They never lose at home in the playoffs. But I just think that things are coming to a head. And this is not, you know, this is not me wishing for one more playoff game at UBS Arena. This is me stepping back, looking at both teams as they are, and the potential for where, what those games can be like. The Islanders have still, I think, a higher ceiling to play a better game than the Hurricanes on game, in Game 5 on Tuesday. Now, whether it happens... We, we've seen the Islanders take mind-numbing vacations during games, and, and you know, they get caught that way. But I, I just I, I get a sense that somehow they're going to they're gonna pull game five out. Yeah, the question is, you know, obviously they have to do it three times. But, yeah, if – No, I'm but, not – I'm not no, no, that, Right, no, I'm not I – don't, I don't have faith they can do it three times. But, but I do have faith they can get – you know, they can make a series of this and show the, some pride because we know that – Whatever issues this this group has, including age, uh, we do know they have they have pride and they've they've proven it. Uh, you know that they can come back from tough situations. So yeah, why not this time? <laughs> that is Neil Best again on Twitter at SportsWatch. I'm Andrew Gross at A Gross Newsday. You can find Neil's content, my content, uh, video content. Everything is on Newsday.com backslash aisles uh, and please check out newsday tv i shot another uh, stand up for that so that should be streaming soon that's newsday tv via newsday.com and until or hopefully <laughs> uh, hopefully uh, you know uh, hopefully i'm talking to neil after game six here at ubs arena but until the uh, the next episode happy hockey everybody